30th episode of the Promo Guy podcast brought to you by Mojo, the stock market for sports. Mojo is the sports stock market offering probability-based odds, live cash outs, and a one-of-a-kind player prop selection. And now, the creators of Sunday Slams are bringing you an all-new way to play DFS. Sign up using code TPG for a 100% deposit match up to $100. We have an extraordinary, I just finished interviewing him for this show, Rob Fodor, the Miami Heat shooting coach. He is the best shooting coach in the world, and I think that from the interview, you're going to understand why. We really talked about everything, like between his awesome story of starting with the Heat to how he is so unique in his teaching approach and why it's so effective. Uh, He talks about, you know, how much he enjoys, has enjoyed working with different players, and he gets into sort of the specifics of what's worked for certain players. I I thought it was the coolest interview I've ever done. No offense to any of the the gambling people we've had on who are awesome, but, you know, Rob is one of the most uniquely gifted people in the world, and it was awesome to to hear from him. So I'm just going to run through the state of the stack, and then we'll, we'll cut right into the interview, and... I, I really think you guys will enjoy it. I, I, I had a blast doing it. Okay, state of the stack. So the Twitter this week, let me just add up the notes. I think it's up a couple hundred bucks. Um, let's see. So last few days are up like 50, then Friday to Sunday up 179, but then we lost 79 Tuesday to Thursday. So yeah, it looks like we're up about 150. I think that puts us up in the 300 to 400 range on the month of November, about what, halfway through? Yep, halfway through. So, you know, we're, we're chugging along. We're, we're right on pace of where we want to be. Uh, again, I don't have the exact numbers, but, you know, everything's been going pretty smooth. Uh, some people have said or noticed that FanDuel and DraftKings on NFL Sundays seem to have pulled back. I talked about it on Kenny's show a little bit. Uh, that's certainly true. I think that a lot of that does get made up or taken out of, like, NBA started. We've had in-season tournament stuff every day. There's been some NHL stuff, some Champions League, like, I think just with every sport in full swing and we're in sort of the pre-Thanksgiving playoffs portion of the NFL that that's really what we're looking, you know, the books are seeing an opportunity to pull back on Sundays a little bit, but otherwise I think everything's going really smooth, really great. So um, that's Twitter. Discord, the positives, again, the higher tier officials. I mean, it's like, I've never had a run. I don't know if I've had a run close to this frankly. I, I want to say like a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. I'm just Oh yeah. Okay. On September 19th, we were at 24 and a half units for the year, which I thought was decent. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, look, it's a zero to one unit scale. The average play is about half a unit. So, you know, the, the, the 24 and a half number looks less than maybe what it is just because of that. But since September 19th, We've now doubled, basically. We're at plus 47 units. I mean, it's the craziest thing ever. I think we've literally had three losing days since then, maybe four. It's probably the best run that I've had, certainly in that tier, but really, I mean, maybe some Dinger Tuesday, like short-term stuff, but just to sort of prolonged two months of success, it's, it's been insane and really fun, and it's nice to experience positive variance in that way. Uh, other stuff... Bet365, after our interview with ROI guy next last week, seems to have taken a step back. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but it's down on the month. I, I, I don't follow closely enough to know the exact numbers, so I don't want to guess too much, but probably in the three to 400 range, if I had to guess, just from what I've seen in the chats and stuff. But ROI guy at the end of the month will obviously have his, his figures. The positives, Barstool has been probably the biggest positive lately. I mean, MGM's continued to do well and all that, but uh, Barstool, for four straight days this week, we have had one play each of the last four days, and they've all been plus 400 or higher hits, um, just from like those parlay insurances. I should probably get into the habit of saying ESPN bet, because they just switched. Nothing looks that different. Some people got some free bets from it. That's great. I'm hoping ESPN will start to kick things up, but it might be just as simple as we're switching the name, seemingly. So... Anyway, that's the state of the stack, gambling landscape update, all that fun stuff. Um, we're going to cut right to the interview now. I really think you'll enjoy it. So I would stick around the whole way. Rob is, is awesome. Miami Heat shooting coach. Follow him on Instagram, I think he said, the shooting guy. I'm in love with Mojo Fantasy. 
It's a crazy new app that turns sportsbook odds and selections into fantasy contests. Here's how it works. There are thousands of NFL and MLB player props. You build a portfolio, and the better your portfolio performs, the more cash you win. Pick as many props as you want and try and beat the crowd. Also, you can compare their lines to sportsbook lines to help yourself beat the crowd. Always EV bet. <laughs> anyway, it's that simple. Make picks, make moves, make money. Check it out on the App Store now. They're coming to more states and adding more sports soon. special interview uh the heat shooting coach rob foder rob has been the miami heat shooting coach for the last seven years this will be his eighth and is in my opinion the best development coach in the nba started out in 2016 with the heat and has had a huge part in the team's turnaround and had a huge part in the team's turnaround that season uh for those who don't remember that team finished the year 30 and 11 they were the best shooting team in the second half of the season and since then heat culture is really taken off uh, as a thing. The Heat have had multiple seasons as a top five three-point shooting team in the league. There's a countless number of guys who have had career years uh, with the Heat in Rob's time as the development coach. And frankly, we're, we're lucky to have him on. So, uh, oh, one stat that I love is the Heat have had their seven best three-point shooting seasons in the seven years that Rob has been their, their shooting coach. So I think that's pretty cool. Rob, thank you for joining us. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, TBG. It's uh, very kind of you to say all that. I will pass the credit on to uh, a, a great staff, a lot of support, and some really great guys. It's been a lot of fun as far as the journey. I've been around the team for probably 18 years or so now, yeah. helping in some capacity. So it's been uh, it's a great experience for me. It's it's kind of interesting to listen out there now. I know the idea of, of culture is kind of becoming a big thing and, and uh, it's a misunderstood thing, but it's very simply understood. If you think of it this way, it's just how you do things and the way that we do things, it's not for everybody and um, it works for us. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and to be able to put fingerprints on what we're doing and how we do it is uh, very humbling and very satisfying. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm really excited for you to share how you do things uh, specifically. But since you mentioned it, so you've you've said you've been around the team for 18 ish years. How did you, and a lot of that I know is through your relationship with uh, Coach Spo. How did that relationship start? How did you meet him? Yeah, how did you guys get started? I've always been a very curious mind, and it's been very much about uh, problem solving. So watching the way people did things, uh, watching basketball as I as I was, grew up, as I went through pro camps and, and played professionally and et cetera, I would see the same problems as everybody else. Um, they were very, very common. There were all these committed people to, to teaching basketball, and yet the problems were still always the same. So I kind of went my own direction thinking that the answers to solve all the problems in basketball didn't lie within basketball. So I kind of went my own way in studying kinesiology, anatomy and physiology, physics, biomechanics, geometry, cross sports observation, uh, studied cats, I studied animal movements. And when I, and it's funny, when I do lectures and things, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to talk to the best coaches in the world. And I'll, I'll go through that process. And I'll say, listen, guys, I'm not trying to be controversial here, but my opinion, basketball has always been taught wrong. And when I say that, of course, there's a snicker and says, well, geez, that coach, that does sound a little controversial, but I say, bear with me here. If you study the neuroscience of it all too, there's an explanation if you can kind of uh, deduce it. Um, the first time we ever played basketball, as a kid, you go to your mom, your dad, your coach and say, hey, mom, dad, coach, I want to play basketball. So being a good mom, dad or coach, what do they do? You get a basketball and you give it to the kid. So we grab the ball and the first thing we do is bend over and smack it down on the ground. And that's how we start. And then the first ever cool thing we did was that 
<laughs> everybody kind of has flashbacks of the step over between the legs move as you're <laughs> dribbling, right? Yeah. So one of the issues about that is if you study study your nervous system is that's the worst thing you could have ever done in order to learn the game properly. When I say that, what you did is you just learned to move your body around the ball. And there's a thing that, for layman's terms, I call it a brain imprint. It's actually part of a central programming generator within your nervous system that within all of us, the first time you do something is how you will always do it unless you learn it a different way or properly. So if you think of a little kid, the first time you get up and run, what does it look like? Your arms are flailing and your legs are flailing and you're running all over the place. But then you watch a sprinter go down a track and you realize, okay, you can learn to do this differently. And that was that was kind of the first thing that happened to me when I started down this path of studying basketball. And then, you know, as you're being coached, you'd hear you'd hear coaches say, wow, that guy's quick as a cat or that kid is cat quick. And so the way my mind works, like, oh, why well, should go study cats? <laughs> and <laughs> when I say that to people, it's it's kind of a laugh line because people look at each other like they'd never thought of it before, which to me, it's rather an obvious thing because if somebody is quick as A, it seems like we should study that thing. So I did. And then, you know, going down this road is if you go through this process of studying what animals do, what cats do, in terms of how they move and how explosive they are. And then you see it, you start to realize, what do we have in common with cats? Well, if you go through the scientific order, kingdom, phylum, class order, family, genus, species, we're obviously all in the same animal kingdom. Therefore, we have the same innate qualities that a cat does, or another animal does. So we have that ability within us. So my thought was, how can I harness the innate abilities of the greatest athletes in the world, cats or other animals that you see, and put it in an, an available skill set, useful tool for us as basketball players? I know that's a little bit tangential for people, but it really adds clarity when you start to understand, okay, we need to learn how to move and then attach the implement to how we play basketball. So kind of an odd way to get it to it but that central programming generator is a big deal no that is that is the best answer i've ever received on any question i've ever asked <laughs> no because it, it, re it really gives insight into how you think of basketball and development as you know the ball is just sort of like the mechanism in all this right like it's about preparing your body to move the right way having your head in the right position having your eyes looking at the right thing having your mind thinking about right. the right things in order to ultimately, you know, put the ball in the right place, whether it's to a teammate, you said that you were a player, you know, the, you're the, you're not just a shooting guy, even though, you know, your, your name is literally the shooting guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're the all time assist leader at Hillsdale. Right. And I obviously oh, didn't yeah. watch you play back then, but a lot of that, and you look at like a guy like Steve Nash, who's one of the best shooters of all time. He's also known for his assists because he was always in the right place, right? And his mind was always thinking about the right thing and being on balance, being able to look yeah. ahead is so important. And that to me, you know, one of the questions I had prepared was what is unique about your teaching style? I don't think we need to, to get into that, to that anymore just because of, you know, you've, you've already talked about cats. But <laughs> I, I guess one, one thing I was curious about is, I actually don't know the answer to this. Where did you draw inspiration for your lesson. So, so you mentioned, you know, you have to think about things differently. You finished your playing career, you wanted to, to coach. What was ultimately like, are there any other coaches that sort of helped you go down this path? Was it, was it really just like the, everybody's doing this wrong. I need to, to rethink this whole thing. And it got you down a whole different path than anybody's ever really gone down. Well, there's two parts to that answer, of course, is when you're around great coaches, great coaches are trying to get the best out of their players and they're trying to get the best out of their other coaches. So they're, they're very empowering in terms of find your way and they're very supportive about you going, you know, coming up with the answers and the way that you're going to do things. So as a player, you know, I was, I was really well coached. I was really blessed. I had uh, championship high school coaches, 
college coaches. My college coach was in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And then obviously I've been around world champions in, in uh, different in Europe, in uh, here in the States and WNBA. It's been really a fascinating thing. And to be able to to be able to go down this path of here, uh, here's something new. Because the the hard part was if you have the if you have the thought that basketball has always been taught wrong, and there's an old saying that coaches are thieves, they're stealing from other coaches. If you believe that, if you truly believe that the game was taught in a way that isn't going to get you to the answers, then you have to go on on your own. That's why I went. That's why I started to study uh, so many of the other things I, I studied, and I, I think to be able to find out. I mean. There's ways that people teach, and that I could draw from others. I, I have this phrase where you say, when I when I talk to players all the time, I say, look, I, you have to be able to say things in 50 different languages. And it's not Spanish, German, English. It's the language of the artist. It's the language of the mechanic. It's the language of the scientist, the auditory learner, the feel learner, the visual learner. You have to be able to reach out and figure out. So there's a psychology to it to be able to understand how to connect with your with your students and then to be able to translate your thoughts and say the exact thing that will create the result that you want that they can apply in the way that they'll apply it in a way that they'll understand it. And the you know when I first started this, I always used to say to people, I have five minutes. When I meet an NBA player and they've been sent to me and say, here, here's the guy that's going to solve your problems. People are skeptical. So I would say I had, if I had five minutes, I had five minutes to look at a player and what they did, be able to diagnose the issues and then be able to turn around and say, here's the path that I can take you on that will create this result. I have to tell them how we're going to do that and show them in a way that they've never heard before that they know 100% will get them the result they want. So that, yes, it, that is quite the challenge. That's at the very beginning. Once you go down this path and you produce results, later on, it becomes something completely different. Now when players come to us, they already, they already believe because the results have come from the players of the past. And now the word gets out and people want to be part of this program. And then when they come see it for the very first time, they kind of look and go, whoa, what the heck are we doing? And there's incredibly difficult challenges for people. And, but it's oddly a very, very fast way to get to an end result. So and that part is that part's a lot of fun. It's very motivational for me. I'm a I'm a problem solver. And I'm very curious about how everything works. When I talk to people, I talk to them about quantum encryption resistance. And I talk to them about how you know quantum computing works and digital currencies and politics. And we talk about everything and answers and all kinds of stuff that that happen around the world. And you know, it's the the thing about what I'd said before about universal truths. There is a certain way that balance, dynamic balance. And that's why when you see people that are great shooters, but they're ahead of the game and they're also great passers, you generally see that there's a dynamic balance about how they move because it allows your eyes are the lenses to the computer of your brain. And if your eyes can't see things, you process things more slowly. And when you're in dynamic balance, your eyes are up and you'll be able to process the game and and those things go into your brain. And, and that's what you'll see with the greatest players is they move well and they process better. So it, it's really fun to be able to stand in there and be able to augment and improve that for players when they know the minute that you tell them what you tell them. Oh, yes, that's the answer. Yeah, that, that's great. So so one kind of maybe simpler question before we get into quantum, whatever you said. Yeah, we don't need uh, to talk about it. <laughs> one mark of someone who's clearly trained with you that, you know, I see a lot of heat players do, and I think it's become slightly more popular around the league, is just looking at someone at the free throw line. And most players are taught, I don't know if you were, I certainly was at a young age, to have both of your feet pointed towards the basket when you shoot a free throw, and when you yeah, shoot in general. Yeah. 
but most players who work with you angle their feet. So if you're a righty, both of your feet would be angled towards the left so that your elbow kind of lines up with the hoop. Correct. Can you just talk through why is that the stance you do and or stance that you teach and why it's so effective? Well, there's an answer within kinesiology and biomechanics of how your body moves. But more simply, the, the, the one... <laughs> The one that I, I talk about, it's like, what's the most important thing to do to shoot a ball well? And when I ask, this is really fun because I ask coaches this all the time. What's the one thing you have to do to shoot the ball well? And people come with, up with all kinds of things because it's, it's a vague question that you're looking for a very specific answer. And I, and I say to make it simple, the most important thing to do well is to shoot the ball straight. So that being said, if you take another game, another sport, if we're going to be observational about everything that goes on in the world, mm -hmm. I would say to people, what is the game or the sport where the only thing that matters is that the implement goes straight and the, the implement is attached to the athlete? And, you know, people will come up with all kinds of different answers, but... Was it shooting an arrow? Shooting an arrow, right. But there's a, there's a mechanism to do that. If you're attaching it to simply the athlete, but you're on the right track. An arrow goes dead straight, and it's darts. Darts. So when you watch somebody throw darts, if you watch the best dart throwers in the world, the only thing that matters with darts is that you make that thing go straight to where you want it to go. And then, of course, they add touch and flight and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to what you do with a basketball. So if you watch the way they stand, that's how they stand. Right. They stand if you're right-handed, they stand with their right shoulder and their because you're trying to create that lever with your elbow and your shoulder. And if you study the way the joints work, that's how your body works. So if you open up your body and allow it to be free moving and free flowing, it's much simpler to create a straight motion rather than trying to work with a muscle that's contracting differently each time. And this angle and there's resistance with there's a there's actually a little bone plate on your shoulder to protect the joint from it going straight and et cetera, et cetera, to, to get into the to science of the body. But if you just study the body and then you study other games, you can kind of come up with your own way to do it. And one of the great success stories we ever had uh, was with Justice Winslow with the Miami yeah. Heat. And Justice is a is a terrific basketball player. Obviously, he's an NBA player, but he was a really good NBA player. And the struggles when I came along is, is he had a hard time shooting the ball. So, and it was basically came from how he learned how to play. And then the first day that he and I were on the court, you know, there's a, there's a trepidation. There's a like, wow, this is going to be a really big project. And, and I just kind of smiled at Justice and I said, hey, so what other sports do you play? And he kind of, I said, you ever play football? Yeah. You ever play this? You ever play that? And we started making reference to other things. And I said, hey, you ever throw darts? He goes, of course. I said, well, show me how you would stand if you threw darts. And he and he's left-handed, so he opened right, right up and his left shoulder pointed. I said, there you go. Now hold up your hand like you're going to throw darts. Great. Now take your right hand and put it up there. And I put a basketball right in his hands. And he kind of smiled and go, I said, just that's all we're going to do today. So next thing you know, he starts doing this. And these are, these are TPG. These are really talented people. Okay. That's the blessing for me is I get this, this canvas of tools that are the highest level tools in the world. So if you have the ability to use those tools properly, you get to create some really cool things. So here I am. And I said, you know, and it's being filmed and the guys in the background are like, Hey, are you guys watching this? I hear the voices like, what? What's going on? He, said, he just made eight NBA three-pointers in a row like free throws. And everybody was like, whoa. So we get to the end of this, and the coaches asked Justice, so what did you guys do today? And he kind of smiled, and he goes, yeah, we just threw darts. <laughs> and they went, what? <laughs> okay. So after the conversation with Justice, he walked off. The guys asked me, what did you, what'd you really do? I said, he was right. We threw darts. And the question that I got asked, which is, this is why I love being with the highest level people in the world is you get these phenomenal questions. And they said, well, why did you start there? And I said, have you guys ever seen the movie Swordfish? <laughs> Everybody looked at each other. Swordfish is the movie with Hugh Jackman and John Travolta 
And Hugh Jackman is one of the great computer hackers of all time. Okay. Okay. And they, and he had to crack this code and they hold a gun to his head and some other distractions that he has to come up with the answer in 60 seconds. So they do the countdown and and he gets, you know, the part where they pull the trigger and the gun's empty. And it's really, it's, it's entertaining movie. But the point of it is at the end of it, he turns around and this code that nobody could break was broken. And he looked over and they said, Hey, how'd you do it? Cause they looked at each other and said, wow, this is our guy. And they said, how'd you do it? And he kind of, he gave him a disingenuous answer. Ah, I just went in through a back door. And there's a computer expert played by Halle Berry. And she says, no, you didn't. <laughs> and he says, well, I did this. And she says, no, you didn't. You didn't have time. And then he gave them the answer that I gave the coaches. I said, guys, I don't know. I just see the code in my head. So having put together a system of diagnosis, teaching, understanding, application, execution, all of that, to be able to stand there and look at somebody and say, here's what's, here's what we need to do. This is where we start. Because one of the things about teaching and coaching, and I hear coaches say it all the time, because it's now getting more popular to try and not over teach or over coach. So people will say less. And I've heard people say, well, I have five things to teach this player but I'm only going to teach them one or two today. I said, well, that's all well and good, but the first one has to be the right one in terms of order. And they'll look at me and there's a little confusion. I said, it's good dominoes and bad dominoes. When you see one of those big giant fields of dominoes that somebody's built and they push the right domino and the entire thing goes over in this beautiful orchestrated flow, you look at it and go, wow, that's really impressive. But if you push the wrong domino, none of that good happens. So that's the part that that's the part that's intriguing to me is be able to put those pieces together to be able to solve those problems for somebody, and then to be able to turn around. Like listening to me talk about it, it sounds like a very complex way to get to something extremely simple on the court. Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I knew at the time that you were working with Justice, and it's. And you were always raving about, you know, his work ethic and his ability to learn. It was, I can't imagine how cool it was for you as a, as a coach to see him shoot, what, 37, 38% the, those 30, next yeah, two years in 39% for two straight years. Yeah. 39 for two straight years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah, so cool. It really was. It really um, was. It's, it's, and plus he's a great guy and you just root for people that do great things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that I saw on TV the other day. And when I Googled it, I was actually disgusted by what the, the caption was. It's Jeremy Sohan's free throws. So he was a 58% free throw shooter in college. And he started out 11 of 24 or 5, something slightly below 50% with the Spurs okay. uh, last year. And Popovich saw him fooling around shooting with one hand and said, this is how you're going to shoot your free throws now. <laughs> and since then, that the rest of the season, he shot 76% the rest of the year for the line. And he's at 71 this year. This So this is a drill that I know that you do, but it just screamed Rob to me. <laughs> why, did, why did this work so well for him, do you think? Well, not knowing what he used to do, it, the, right. the diagnosis that I would generally put on that is if you go back to the way that we learn, most of the time, what we learn to hold the ball improperly, people hear about this is how you should hold it and you got to get underneath it and all that kind of stuff. But the actual application of it is there's a timing. So when, when you're a little kid and you learn how to make a two-hand chess pass, it's, <laughs> it's about one of the worst things you could ever learn in terms of being a shooter because you <laughs> learn this out of order because your hands are on the outside of the ball and you're squeezing you're right. squeezing together, and the first thing that moves is your shoulders lift up, and then your elbows go out, and then you flick both of your wrists, okay? Well, that's exactly the opposite sequence of how your body should work for a shot. You should load your wrist, you know, pick your elbow up to lift, and then your shoulder lifts the whole unit, right? So if you're talking about opposite, and then the challenge of if your hands are not in the, driving the exact center of the basketball, what happens with a lot of people is 
their shooting handle be generally underneath it, but there's a there's an opposite force when you see somebody's opposite elbow out to the side. There's a force that's attached to that. So there's a you're trying to make the ball go upward and in a straight line to the basket, and yet you're dealing with this opposing force that's pushing the ball somewhere else. So you see it with players, the ball goes out away from them, then it goes back away from the basket, and then they have to stop it and redirect it there. But then in the same respect, some a lot of times it's going left and right based on which hand is pushing harder against the center of the ball. It could be right hand, could be left hand. That's why you see people's thumbs get involved with shots and elbows flaring out and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when you go to one hand, you kind of eliminate obviously you eliminate the opposing forces and naturally your body, when you put the ball up in one hand, you find that balance without grabbing the ball. If you know, you find that balance of where the ball should be in your hand, generally speaking, and now you're driving the center of the ball. So it's actually a much simpler motion than a two handed motion where it, you know, it gets confusing for people on the outside going, well, gosh, that seems so much harder. And it's actually much easier because you're only dealing with one one force, one balance point, and it becomes uh, smoother. So you get clarity. Right. It almost forces you to to keep everything, you know, your elbow in, your hand under the ball, because otherwise it's going to yeah, fall yeah, over. Almost, exactly right. right. Exactly. And, and innately, your mind knows that. So if the ball's off center, you, right. you, you just make the adjustment, especially athletes at the highest level, like Jeremy's a terrific athlete and is an excellent basketball player. And, you know, when you get the thing about it, too, is players are just as invested in the solutions as the teachers. You know, I I, I get a lot. I, I'm blessed. I get a lot of people say, wow, you've done such a good job. And I, you've heard me before. I say I've never made a shot for anyone. And the great part about dealing with high level people and high level shooters is they're constantly involved in the process so they're going through it and here's what i'm feeling that's why the conversations for me and and those players is just it's a blast for me because we get to talk in ways that people from the outside that would listen to our conversations would be looking at us going, what are you guys even talking about and we get to share those things and i <laughs> see the process that they're going through and i see the investment and if i can say do this and it speeds up their process so much, you know, everybody, everybody's really happy with that. And that's, we've had a ton of success with, yeah, you know, everybody. So that, that's, that's, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was cool to even see like Dwayne Wade, a guy who is obviously, you know, one of the best players ever um, have some career years shooting wise, you know, obviously his athleticism was not the same, but you know, shooting wise, when he kind of got into the program at the end of his career. Uh, but do you have, do you want to know what that YouTube video? So if you type in Jeremy Sohan free throw change or whatever I typed in the number one YouTube video, you know what it was labeled? What? Jeremy Sohan definitely has the worst free throw form in the NBA. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> I was like, this looks beautiful guys shooting in the seventies and, and you're, you're shaming. Well, him. And it shows such a classical misunderstanding for what, you know, producing a result is there's a, there's a movie. It, right. You probably know Moneyball. Remember Moneyball? About the Oakland mm -hmm. And they were talking yeah, about one of the pitchers and Jonah Hill's character is looking at it and saying, you know, this guy couldn't, might not be just the best relief pitcher in our bullpen, but he might be one of the most effective in baseball, but nobody wants him because he looks funny. And when you think back in basketball, right. you look at would would you try and teach somebody to shoot like Reggie Miller did with his hands finishing crossed? Probably not. But if you think about it, Reggie learned playing against one of the best women that's ever played the game and his sister who was always bigger and stronger and faster mm -hmm. than he was when he was little. So he was trying to figure out, how am I going to do this? And obviously he figured it out. And you look at Another great shooter like Peja Stojakovic, he used to follow through with his index finger. The ball would actually rotate with an angular spin. Like, like if you take a globe and you tip it sideways and it spins, you'd see that. Right. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of answers 
if you apply universal truths. So if you understand how leverage works and if you understand uh, how to directionally control something, then greatness figures things out. You know, you don't have to look that way. Anthony Mason, a long time while he was looking for an answer to shoot free throws, he shot one-handed. And there, there have been guys in golf that went and putted one-handed because you're taking away a possibility for error. And I applaud, if somebody yeah. went from in the 50s to in the 70s, man, I applaud anybody. If you're shooting them backwards and you do that, God bless you. And here's the and here's the great yeah, thing, TPG is is what happens is if you have something unique and it produces greatness, people will copy you because they that's that's an answer. Now it may not be their answer, but they will copy you and try that. You know, I I, I talked to some of the world's greatest shooters and they imitated people that were also the world's greatest shooters, but it set them down a wrong path for themselves and they ended up having to go down another one. But that's what greatness does is it finds the right path based on those universal truths. If you understand momentum and leverage and directional force and all that kind of stuff, great talent, figure that stuff out, you know? So I would have loved to have retitled that video. I've never seen it, but it'd be great to say, what a great answer. What a great solution to a difficult right. question, right? Absolutely. It, it certainly <laughs> grinded my gears, uh, which is <laughs> it's just a, a segment we do on, on, on this uh, podcast where we complain about betting stuff. But <laughs> you've talked a lot, actually, over this last half hour about how kids do it wrong a lot. And, and just, you know, they're, they're throwing a ball and they bend over and a lot of mistakes that kind of happen at the onset. I have a feeling that the vast majority of people listening to this aren't trying to become exceptional basketball players yeah. at this point in their lives. But I think a lot of them um, are probably, they probably have young kids and are like many parents, you know, their kid wants to play, like you said, and, and they want to help them uh, become basketball players. What is the right way to start? With, with the kid in, in, in your opinion? That's a great question. I think uh, simplicity is probably the best way to, to focus your, your energies. One of the questions that I asked, uh, again, standing in front of the best coaches and teachers in the world, I'll, I'll ask, or I'll, I'll say, finish this or answer this statement. Explain shooting in one sentence. Now, you can't believe the looks on people's faces that that gets when they start looking at each other like, Oh, and then this sentence starts running around in their brain. That's not really a sentence. It's an essay. And I said, okay, now, yeah, yeah, so now, said, now, now take that sentence <laughs> and make it five words or less. So you're trying to get there. I make a lot. I'm very analogous in things that I do. There was a movie, Philadelphia, that Denzel Washington started in. And he always say, explain this to me yeah. like I'm a five-year-old. So if you go to this simple, Simple explanation, I say, pass it to the basket. I can explain shooting in five words or less and it's pass it to the basket. So here's the great thing. If you learn how to pass in a one-handed push-pass motion, and then you raise the ball and you make the exact same motion, you have shooting. All you do is make a passing motion and change the angle of launch. Now, what I do, I mean, I've, I've even done that with the highest level players in the world and gone down that path. And obviously, you add uh, a lot of challenges in terms of running and getting to places and being able to shoot it faster and preparation and connection sequence, et cetera. But that's how you start. Just play catch and say, if you are the teacher or the coach or the parent, learn that one motion um, there's some really great teachers out there. And I know I've got a couple of videos, I think out there about just passing it to the basket. And if you hold the ball with your shooting hand directly behind, and you just make that passing motion and you say to your, to the kid, imitate, throw, pass it back to me exactly as I'm passing it to you. Everybody can do that. So everybody's capable of making this mm -hmm. beautiful shooting motion. Now what you do is just change the launch angle. I say, follow through at the angle you want the ball to fly. 
And then from there, that's the simple foundation that you start from. And then you, you know, you talk about balance and posture and other things that, you know, footwork and et cetera. Obviously it's, it's a, as far as a system, it gets, you know, it's, it's very layered, but to start with somebody, make it easy. Start like that. Yeah, it's great. I just, um, I just Googled and you, you can, you know, if you, if you, first off, you should follow Rob, the shooting guy on Instagram, uh, where he has, it looks like kind of like a hub for a lot of his videos and content, but yeah, you have videos just as simple as that, passing it to the basket and teaching kids kind of the right form for, you know, get starting out and developing. Uh, so that is really great and hopefully um, very helpful. So you've talked about, or I've known you to have done a lot of coaching clinics in Europe for, I don't even know how many years, right? Yes. One One thing that I was kind of listening to some talk show thing the other day, and they were talking about how, Europe has caught or you know the international game has caught up or passed whatever the the American game and one thing that I thought about in relation to you is that the way kids are learning play basketball here not to be negative but a lot of it is going out and playing a lot of it's AAU getting reps getting exposure where I don't know the European basketball scene certainly not like you do but just in their their heavy knowledge in, in learning from you, it kind of tells me that they're learning things a little bit differently. And, and you see a lot of the guys that come over here, you know, Steph deserves and analytics deserve a lot of credit for the three point revolution. But I think a lot of it has just come from this influx of European talent that largely can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> what is your, what has your experience been coaching clinics overseas? And what do you see them maybe doing differently? That's that you can attribute to their, success in having so many players now in the NBA and successful ones? Well, you know, one of the things that the way kids grow up in Europe learning is, and something that I've, I've been a big fan of uh, since I, since I've seen it is young players play with a ball that makes sense for them to play with. And they play with a basket height that makes sense for them to play on rather than trying to pick up a heavier ball and, fling it up to a place that, you know, like a lot of right. habits come from, like, the, like I said, central programming generator. The first time you do something is how you'll always do it. So if you're there trying to figure out how am I going to fling this thing all the way up there, that's a challenge, you know, and every little kid will start on a Nerf hoop, but boy, we've in the States, we have them graduating really quickly. But the, I think that, you know, the two systems of how we learn, you start to see the game being integrated a little bit now where, where Americans are very, um, they're much more free flowing in how they play, how the, how they play the game. So there's a lot more reactions, actions, um, and and that kind of thing. Where Europeans have much more system background and more understanding of when this happens, this is what the defense is doing, etc. So there's there's more there's more understanding of the foundational uh, principles of how the game is played. But what's happening now is Europeans are also competing more at a higher level and you know they're really they're from really competitive places you know that I think that it was kind of interesting we played uh, Denver in the finals last year obviously and mm -hmm. people were interviewing um, the MVP and they said well what did you think about you know how did it make you feel when the fans were booing you in Miami and and you know that was really loud and all that stuff and and he just kind of chuckled and smiled and he said I'm from Serbia, brother. And that was one of the great little clips of film. And, and you watch the way the fans and all that, the, the environment that they're growing up into play. It's phenomenal. It's crazy seeing those it's videos. Yeah, the, the competition and the level of commitment to this stuff is just so much greater than it ever was. And so they're, they're having these terrific competitive experiences that they're now able to call on, as our guys do. And so now you're seeing this, this much more even marrying of abilities, you know, so there's yeah. a lot of mental processing and there's a lot of skill sets. And now they come in and where we used to out tougher out athlete people. Now you've got, you know, equal athletes and, and our guys are getting more skill based. And it's really great to be able to grow the game because 
it's all integrating together. And obviously it shows up in, in our league and it shows up and you'll see it in the Euro league and you'll see it at the best, you know, the best uh, competitions and yeah. leagues around the world that the game is growing it's improving and players get better. And there's always, and I think, you know, obviously the focus of the three point shot, you know, if you, if you look for, for a starting point, gosh, I mean, there's a lot of innovative people. I mean, you could go back to Loyola Marymount with Paul Westhead. Right. That's in the 80s. And then you go to Mike D'Antoni and here's how we're going to change the game. And then the what it was is the, the analytics changed where there became much more of an understanding of what was actually happening. Because when the three-point shot first came in, which is 1983 or 1984, people were thinking, well, you have to shoot 40% to equal 50% from the field. So there wasn't that much value on that shot. It's just a misunderstanding of how you did it, you know. But if you put together a simple math equation, then it starts to get more layered. Everybody's like, "Whoa! You only have to shoot thirty-three percent or thirty-four percent for it to be an effective shot, numbers-wise." If you base yeah. it on hundred possessions, but you know, the, look, analytics or make a big move about it, but philosophy and. You know, when you see teams make shooting records, it's it's great to have people be able to execute the plan. But the plans have changed now where I think the 1986 Celtics were the highest scoring NBA team in the history of the playoffs. And I want to say there was some outrageous number, like they only made 100 threes for, you know, the season or so something. Like the, oh, like my God. That. And I don't have that number right. But, yeah, sure. you know, now you have people, you know, like Steph's made. 400 threes. We've had guys make you know, 300 threes in a season, just one player. And, you know, obviously there was, was that, was that, was that Wayne that did that? Or are you talking about Duncan? Well, Wayne was the first with the, with the heat. Wayne set the record. He broke James Jones's record. Right. I remember that for most made threes. And then Duncan broke Wayne's record and Duncan holds all the records now for the, for the heat. And, um, but you know, there's like people say, who's the greatest shooter of all time. I don't, I don't know. Obviously, people are going to go to Steph because you also remember what you know. You know, you you argue for what you know. People don't remember how great Michael Jordan was, but no, not many people talk about the greatest player of all time being Wilt Chamberlain, who still holds 73 NBA records. So who's the best player? Who cares? I don't know. It's greatness is greatness. And, and yeah. you know, there are guys from previous eras that would come here and just be you know, the right guy. And there's guys from these eras that would go back and all that, all that subjective argument is, I'm sure it's entertaining, but it never gets you anywhere. I always say it the same greatness is greatness and they're going to be great wherever they are and whenever they are. Yeah. Well, I think the important thing you said that I want to make sure people kind of understood and heard was about the size of the ball for young kids. Cause yeah. I actually think like, I think about this kind of anytime I hear you say, the you know what's the what's the mistake the kid grabs the ball he dribbles it he tries to throw it with all of his might to to the hoop because just like the highest athletes in the world kids are trying to figure it out too right they they're yeah. trying to to make that shot and they want it more than anything um and the way they do it might not be the way you want them to do it when they're older right so putting them in a spot where the ball is going to feel like it will feel when they're older having a hoop that's the size of what it'll kind of look like when you're older helps you teach them to do things the right way. Right. Um, So I I think that that is a very cool thing that I've never really, I mean, I don't really pay much attention to how like four-year-olds are learning how to play basketball, (laughs) but it's not, it's not really something I've seen or heard people doing, you know, giving them a much smaller ball and sort of teaching them, and, the a, right and a lighter ball. The weight is is just as important. And, and if you there you go, pay attention. If you observe from other sports, probably the game that has it figured out about how to teach young kids as well as anything in terms of a difficult sport is golf. So when you have a young, uh, a, a little kid who's just starting, there's a couple companies that make clubs specifically for kids. And yes, they're shorter, but they're lighter. So you're, if right. you're looking for equivalent feeling, it's the weight is just as important. So, you know, the height of the basket, the weight of the ball, the size of the ball, all that stuff, it, it, everything matters. 
you know? Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's very uh, cool and important to think about. Yeah. So anyway, um, we talked at the top a little bit about, you know, uh, about you at the Heat and Heat culture. How did you meet Spo? How did you get started? Like, I want to hear about sort of your your coaching journey to the Heat. Um. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I was playing. Uh, went through some injuries. I was teaching, and we used to play a pickup game at uh, Miami Senior High School, and it was mm-hmm. an invite game and super high level players. And I was in the gym and. Through the course of time, I'd earned some, I, I was respected, so I was always in the first game. So there was a game one day where a few new NBA guys had made their way, and and uh, Mike James, um, who played for the Rockets and the Raptors and the Miami Heat, as he was trying to make his way up, he was trying to make the Heat at the time. So he's in this game. One of the guys goes over, and, and uh, he said, Mike was being introduced to who's playing on his team. And they, one of the guys said, listen, if you need a bucket, and he pointed to me, he said, throw it to your guy over there. So Mike looked over at me and he's like, that guy goes, trust me. Okay. So the first game is nine and everything's ones. Mike threw it to me four times and I threw it in the basket four times. So after the game's over, we sat down. We just, we, we, um, we just won the first game. So we're getting ready for the second one. And Mike looked at us like, who the heck are you? And I said, I'm a, just a used to be player. And he goes, don't look like it used to be. I said, well, I still play a little bit now. And, and, uh, but I also, I guess for lack of a better phrase, say that I'm a shooting coach. And he kind of perked up and he said, you know, I've been looking for somebody and you know, would you be, would you be interested in maybe helping me? So I said, look, why don't we get on the wood together and we'll see if some of the things resonate with you and see how we communicate, that kind of thing. So we went to the arena and, you know, we went upstairs and uh, this was on a Sunday afternoon, spent a couple hours together, him, one of his guys. And, and uh, afterwards, he, I guess he had a really good day. So he started talking about it with his coaches and the player development coach for them at the time. And Mike at the time was coach Bolstra. And so the next week, Mike and I went back into the gym and coach, he said, one of my coaches wants to come up and meet you. And we had had kind of a brush introduction a few years before in a place that would make no sense for basketball players. It was in a restaurant. So he kind of walked up there and he sees me and he's like, looking, he's going, oh, God, this guy. And I <laughs> and so when he when coach came up, he probably intended to throw me out of the gym when he came up. But he is one of the true curious minds of basketball. And he's very open-minded, super strong in his convictions and obviously the way things should be done. So, But when he came up, he kind of watched for two minutes before he came over and he's looking. Said, wow, okay, I've never seen that before. He came over and immediately after we got introduced, we started, he started asking questions. So I invited him in. I said, why don't you jump in with us and you can feel some of this stuff. And we were talking about dynamic balance and preparation and things like that. And I diagnosed something that he was doing. And Coach Bolster was a really, really good basketball player. He was playing professionally over in Germany and, and he was an excellent shooter. So I said, hey, if you do this, it'll eliminate that. And he kind of looked at me like, wait, how did you, I've been doing this forever. And I've always had this thought in my mind, like there was something going on. And when I told him, then, you know, it kind of put a little stamp of credibility on it. So we spent that day, probably two hours again with Mike and coach and one of Mike's friends. And and then, you know, the blessing of it was coach Bolstra's afterwards. He said, Hey, listen, is there somebody else or other people that you're teaching that I could come watch. And at the time I said, I said, well, I don't know if I have a whole lot of people that would be of any value for you to come see, but, and then I have a kid, uh, you knew him, uh, his name was Ryan. So I, I had Ryan, I said, you know what? I've got a kid named Ryan that you should probably come watch. So they started coming watching the workouts and coach Bo was taking notes and then more player development guys would come. And then I would, we would all collaborate and get on the floor and talk ideas. And I would just, you know, cause people ask me, why did you get into this or how did you get into it? I said, look, I, I, I wanted the answers to be able to help my friends. 
And that's really why I do it. I wanted to have the answers to be able to solve the problems that other people couldn't, so I could give it to my friends. So all my friends, I just have prominent basketball friends. And, you know, I've kind of been giving this to my friends and it evolves into where we are now. So that's how it started. And and uh, it was really a blast. That That is really cool. And I, I had never heard that story, but, you know, it, it speaks to how talented you are, but also, uh, you know, credit to Spo, right? Because yeah. like you said, a lot of a lot of guys would have just, especially someone that's the development coach for an NBA team, yeah. may be dismissive of, of new ways to do it and not spend two hours just trying to learn or even follow up, you know, like, hey, who else are you teaching? Like you said, it wasn't an NBA guy. It was, it was uh, you know, just a, like a, a regular guy. Yeah. But he's like, but I want to see how you teach. I want to see how it works. I want to try it myself so then I can implement it. And then, you know, I guess, so what, 10 years after that, uh, you go from the storm, the Seattle storm to the heat? Yeah, I was, uh, was kind of helping, you know, helping the heat kind of behind the scenes, you know, right. collaborating with the staff. And then... Um, I always say like I got a, I was on loan for a summer with the Seattle Storm, which was a riot. What a great experience to go out there and be involved with the WNBA team. It was a new staff. It was there to help put the player development program in and to be with the highest level talent of the women's game. You know, we yeah. have Sue Bird is is uh all-time greatest point guard. And and what you find is greatness is again, greatness is always greatness, you know they're they're always very curious and want to get to this get to these places of answers and and then we had the number one they had the number one pick and they took Jewel Lloyd and then next year it was Brianna Stewart so here I am on the floor with three number one overall draft picks in the game and they're all going to be hall of famers and and uh they're all incredibly different you know so teaching literally this is funny because there's literally all th i teach three completely different kinds of jump shots and they're all represented in those three players so that was a fun thing to be able to teach that and then just to get people to understand this is how you make a layup and i know when i say to people how do you make layups they look at me like what are you talking about and it's again I, i'll refer to moneyball there's a question in their general manager's uh meeting and they said Okay, so they're talking about the problems that they're dealing with. And one of the scouts looks at Billy Bean, the general manager, and he says, everybody here knows what the problem is. And Billy says, great, what's the problem? And the scouts kind of look at each other, almost like they're insulted, which is a deflection because it means that you don't have the clarity of what the real problem is. This is mm -hmm. Billy, everybody knows what the problem is. Great, what's the problem? He says, well, we have to replace... That's not it. And the problem for them was what you were dealing with a different set of rules for the game that the Oakland A's had to play versus the rules that the New York Yankees had to play. Okay. Now what I'm getting at is when you're it is to be able to be with those people and say, we have to know what the question is. If you can't ask the right question, you're probably not going to get to the right answer. So as you go down this road with the greatest minds and the greatest players, you get these great questions and it kind of triggers you to be able to go down another path and say, Oh, here's your answer. Here's your answer. And if you can piece together things, you'll start to, you'll start to realize of a different way to look at things, you know, because a lot of people, yeah, definitely. you know, when you like the point that you made, a lot of people get stuck in ego and this is the way we're going to do it. And like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> There's well, a better one. Uh, I think it's safe to say it's 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 worked out for you, yes, but but you know for Spolstra as well. Um, just him being open to being you know improving and not having all the answers to to and, begin with, like you said. Guys, like so. he was always going to improve regardless if I was around or not. So this, you know, that's it's it's great. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. All right, all great right. to jump in. <laughs> you know, it's great to be able to collaborate with somebody that's going to go down the same road. You know, be able to share that path with you. So. Absolutely. All right. I got two questions and I'll let you go. First one is from Hank, who put this into our rundown. Okay. He says he has a broke ass jump shot and has had one for his whole life. Without ever seeing him shoot, what tips do you have for like an amateur hooper that could improve his game? 
I would, I would say learn how to stand in a way that makes it simple for you to shoot. So I teach uh, eyes up, chin up, chest up. You want to have your posture in, a, in kind of a, you know, upper body's in a vertical position. And then try and create one smooth, continuous motion in a shape that you want the ball to fly. Awesome. That would be a simple way to say, take your abilities. And because I not knowing what he does. Yeah. That's what you eventually want to do. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer in teaching what to do versus talking about what not to do. Perfect. Okay. One continuous motion. Uh, eyes up, chin up, chest up. Okay. Last question for you. I've enjoyed watching. I, I always enjoy watching the heat with, you know, kind of like you in the back of my head and seeing what guys do and knowing where it kind of came from. Uh, I've been particularly impressed with, well, first I saw Bam hit a very smooth three the other night, but really Duncan Robinson's development. You know, I know you have the name shooting coach, but I think of you more as a developmental coach or development coach. Uh, his dribbling, his balance, his really just all around game has improved so much. I mean, obviously there was the Wemby clip the other day, but just seeing him uh -huh. like feeling comfortable, pump faking the entire Spurs team, relocating, getting his feet set. He's not looking around at guys. I, I thought it was, you know, he's been super impressive. Um, are there kind of younger heat guys that maybe don't get as much sports center content that people should be excited to, to watch and you've enjoyed working with? Oh gosh. You know, and going to By the way, last year, the name you gave me was Caleb Martin to your credit. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, it, it's, Gosh, there's a lot, there's a lot of them. And it kind of goes to the, it kind of goes to the core of what, uh, what happens with, uh, with our group is everybody has a piece in that. I mean, there's, everybody's working on ball handling, everybody's working on movement, everybody's working on balance, and we all get to pour into these guys. And when you find guys that have this light about them, I'm sure just from watching our games, people are going to love Jaime Jaquez and people are going to love Haywood Highsmith and Drew Smith. And, you know, it's what's not to love about, geez, what Tyler's done and what Bam's done and what Jimmy does and what Kit. I mean, all of these, yeah. all of these guys are just, they're terrific stories, you know, which is why you know people enjoy watching these guys because they're not the household names before they got here. And, you know, it's like, who are those guys? Right. You know, and, and it's, yeah, it's cool to see Jay Rich back. I know you worked with him a lot. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. You know what? 21 years old. And now he's like he's a vet at this point. He's but, you know, you get to yeah. you get to get him back in, in the lab. Yeah. And, it you know, it's just and it's great when guys started with us and they go away and they come back and they go, wow, it's really great to be back here because now <laughs> right. they have they get the familiarity and they know that. They know that they're going to go down a great path for them to be the best versions of themselves, you know, and these guys are super achievers. So, I mean, you could throw a dart at the roster and say, just pick one and you'll see a great story and a great, you know, and a great player and a great guy. So <laughs> it's, it's fun. That's great. Well, this has really been awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. I have zero doubt that our listeners will want to hear more from you. Uh, I mentioned the Instagram account. That's the shooting guy, right? Yeah. We'll, pre we'll pretend the promo guy didn't rip that off a little bit. Is that <laughs> the best way to uh, follow you? I know you, you have some YouTube videos with some, with some like short clip lessons. Um, I think the, I, I think the, like, I'm not a, I'm not a huge social media guy. So the, the Instagram account is probably the easiest way. And then from there, you can kind of, I, I'm blessed. I get to mentor a lot of people. So the, they'll find some people that, that uh, teach a lot of what I teach. So you can actually get more information of some of the things that I do from a few of my guys. So um, if you go on there, you'll, you know, they can kind of piece together who those people are. And uh, like my friend, Mike Dunn and, awesome. and have a bunch of them, but that's, that's the easiest place to find me. Um, I know there's stuff out there on YouTube that I don't even know about because all the clinics that we do are out there somewhere. I probably haven't even seen them. So I'm, I'm, Humbled to be able to say that, yes, it's out there for us to find. And if you want to find me, I'd be happy to happy to have everybody. Amazing. Rob Fodor, the shooting coach. Rob, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, TPG.
that's it for our show today uh stay tuned to my discord my twitter basically me on all platforms uh we'd appreciate if you rate re review and subscribe and we will see you next week because episode 31 of the promo guy podcast will be around next week thanks everyone hope you enjoyed